Well, if you weren't with us last week, uh, we are in the second week of a series that we've titled Summer Wreck, this idea of summer culture and missional living. We all know this is our area in general that we run at one pace during the year and we hit the summer and everybody gets into recreation mode, which is good. In fact, it's on hyper awareness this year, in case you don't know, everything from flights to VRBOs, to places people go, they're all just booked and overbooked because everybody's saying, I've been stuck a long time, get me out of here. And we have this idea that recreation will somehow restore us, and it's not a bad thing, but we want you to understand in this series it's incomplete. The very word recreation literally is recreation. It means something new happens, and it centers on our faith. You see, the way we look through the lens of history, we see that Adam and Eve sinned and their sin, their mess, brought decay and destruction, actually death to humanity and decay to the creation. So we believe not only does Jesus die to forgive, but he dies and he rises again, that that's what happened uh, literally in the first century, this happened. And through his resurrection, we not only have forgiveness, but Jesus is recreating. He's bringing a newness to the creation and he's doing that in and through us and he wants to through all. So we wanna look this summer, not at recreation, but recreation. What does Jesus want to do in our lives? What might be even better than getting a break from instead to be renewed in? And so we're going to look today at a second idea behind this. Each week we're looking at one. Last week we talked specifically about being deployed to our neighbors. How do we reach to the people around us? Now, to start us off, I want to take you back to the culture in which Jesus lived, this Roman culture. Rome had three major priorities to how culture was built. There was education, there was the arts, and there were athletics. These three things cultivated everything. Particularly, their athletics even moved into how they viewed God, how they viewed worship, everything. Their athletes were held in high regard, almost as heroes. Sound familiar? In fact, consider for just a minute our sports and what are most popular. I, I went through and did a search. I was just curious what are the top sports, and it's, I think some of them will surprise you. Number 10, I, get, I bet none of you would get it. It's badminton. I don't even know where the list came from. Maybe I picked a bad site, but I went to multiple, and I kept seeing badminton, so maybe you're all hidden badminton fans, and I just don't know it, but it was 10 of the top 10, and, and they kind of go up from here. In fact, the next one is motorsports, which, by the way, two of the families that dedicated kids this morning, we have a racer and, and kind of the head mechanic for one team in our, in our midst, so we have some motorsports at number nine already going for us. Way to go, Right? Number eight is wrestling, WWE wrestling. Does that just mess with anybody's mind? It messes with mine. Or maybe you're all just going home going, can't wait to watch today. I don't know, but it kind of creeped me out. I, didn't, I thought that was fake. I can't even believe it. At number seven, it's golf, which doesn't surprise me. We all snooze watching that one. Six is tennis. And for those of you who always say, why aren't we Europe? Soccer only came in at five. The big four really, and they go up significantly here, is hockey, then basketball, then baseball, and at number one, it is football, which all of us should be cheering for, and you're looking at me like we don't care anymore, but I do. I'm a Lions fan, so I have no heroes, but I still like football and still watch it. Now, I tell you all that because it translates to this ancient world. So I want to give you a picture. We're going to look at a letter that Paul writes to one of the churches. This is a stadium actually from Aphrodisius, which is in, uh, in Turkey, uh, and this is a pretty well-preserved one. That's why I wanted you to see it. But the stadium was center of culture. The letter we're going to look at and the city area we're going to look at is Corinth. 
And they would have also had a stadium there. It was attached to a sanctuary for Poseidon. In other words, their faith, their kind of their life of religiousness and their athletics were intertwined. And around this stadium would even be statues of heroes that had won races, people that they had lauded. And once you won, you were elevated to this. So Paul is writing this letter to the early church. He's speaking about all sorts of messes going on. They are living in this really unique climate of arguing about who's in charge and what's right. They have a lot of the sexual freedom and confusion over that, marriages and singleness. All this crud is going on, and Paul has been trying to help them recalibrate to following Jesus. And we take it up at this part of the letter when he uses this metaphor. He says it this way, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? And then he gives this really simple instruction. Hey, I want you to run. Very simply, I want you to run to win the prize. Now here's where it changes. Paul is not telling them to run like a runner runs because winning the prize is different in the life of a Christ follower. You know, I told you before, he was already dealing with all these problems going on that are really selfishness going around in competition. But he gets to a part right before this section of the letter where he says this. Hey, listen, to my friends who are Jewish, I became like a Jew that I might win some. I want to do everything I can to enter their world to help them discover who Jesus is. Oh, and to someone who didn't follow the law, which is code for being Jewish, I become like someone that didn't follow the law because I want to help them find him. Oh, and to people who are weak, I became weak. And then he basically says, I'll become everything to anybody if in some way I might better connect to them and help them discover who I have. That's simply what he says. And then he says, run the race. So in essence, what he's saying is this race is a race of discovering who Jesus is and helping others to. In other words, we're being recreated. We're being renewed and transformed. And then our role is we get to help others discover that. He even describes it as a blessing. He continues on to give more descriptors. See, everyone who competes, they go into the games, they go into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. We do it to get a crown that will last forever. I don't know how many of you have ever gone into training for anything, but it is an interesting change when you go into training in any way of life. So something for me this last year, and, and it's not training in the sense I was training for an event, but I have been a weeble most of my life, meaning it doesn't matter which way you look at me, it's the same from every side. About five feet here, about five feet there. It's a little taller than that, but you get the idea. So I got to a place towards the end of last year where I realized my health is really starting to take a toll. And uh, I, I'm kind of, I've always been asking God to help me with this, but I've struggled. So it, it's a silly thing. I, I picked up on this app called Noom and I started to change how I lived. I went into training. I changed how I did what I did. I actually lost about 40 pounds doing this and, and lived much healthier and feel much better. But what I found was it changed my way of life because I had to do things differently. You got training like, oh, guess what? Did you know that plates used to be smaller and now they're bigger? And guess what? I belong to the clean plate club. So when I fill it, I fill it and I finish it. And I will finish whatever's put before me and I'll finish another plate because I'm a good eater. I had to suddenly go, man, that's not healthy. And it changed. I had to start thinking about it differently. I found out things like, when you eat in front of a screen, you tend to eat more. When you eat at certain times of day, why do you eat or what do you eat? So silly, I love chips and salsa or chips and bean dip. Salsa and bean dip are actually healthy, the chips aren't. I actually start cutting up cucumbers and eating them with dip. I know it sounds weird, but I get the crunch and all the dip. I realize I don't really care about the chip, I just want the crunch. What I'm trying to display to you is there's a change in how you live. And, and I think we think about this, maybe you do it with your health, 
Maybe you do it with your work. Maybe you do it with your kids and their opportunities, but we don't tend to think about our faith as something God's saying, why don't you go into training for this? Why don't you and I go to train to be followers of him? We kind of give the leftovers with everything else we're doing. Isn't that true? And, and I'm actually really glad we have child dedication today because we love that we can talk to you about it before you get too far into this thing. Because I'm telling you, man, your pressure comes in as families much earlier than it used to. And the premise is this. If you don't give your kids every opportunity in every way, you will fall behind. So guess what? Get on the train and go with us. And good luck figuring out the rest of your life. And don't we need to pull back and say, What's real, what are we really training for? In fact, Paul makes this even clearer. He says, they do it to get a crown that won't last. We do it to get a crown that will last forever. In Rome, when, when you got a crown, it was literally a wreath, and it actually started out as celery, which I just find odd. I don't know why they thought, hey, let's make a crown. How about celery? Let's do that. But later they made it pine, and here's the reality. When you put a crown like that on it, eventually goes away. But I don't want you just to think about the crown that goes away there, because even if a statue is made for you, even if you're put on the list, you and I don't know who that person is anymore. It still went away, didn't it? I mean, somewhere it went away. It got forgotten. Just think about your favorite teams and your favorite sports. Can you list the last five winners of the, of the sport you love the most? When I try to list the last time the Lions won, I actually go back to before I was born. So it's not really very hard for me. Uh, never. That's one I have in my history to look at. What I want to remind you of is, though, it's forgettable, isn't it? And yet in the moment, we think it's everything. I wonder how much of life is like that for us. And Paul's saying, guess what? We're doing this. There's a race God has for us that it will be a crown that lasts forever. Now, Paul makes clear what he means by this crown. And I want to just show you it in one of the many times he speaks of it. This is in Philippians. He says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, this is just at the end of a tag of a letter, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord this way, dear friends. He is simply saying this, his crown are the people whose lives he's impacted. The people whose lives he's invested, the people he's come to love. There's a scene in one of the accounts, it's in Acts, when Paul has done all this traveling, he ends up back in a city called Miletus, which is right near Ephesus. He spent three years in Ephesus and all of these leaders come to him and he's having this final conversation. He says, you know what, I just want you to know how... I ache, I will probably never see you again. And I love you guys, I love all of you. Man, I'm telling you, nothing more, you just live for him and help other people discover him. He said, I think I might be killed as I head off because he's just come to love these people. He's learned that loving people is at the center of who he is and at the center of the race God has for him. And I would tell you in turn for us that there's something that lasts and it's the way you and I discover the love that Jesus has for us and very simply the way we bring it to others. We say in our mission as a church that we're to be radically loving and growing together in Christ. And we're very clear about this. Radical love is not something we can do on our own. We discover Jesus' radical love. In case you are new to this and don't even know, this is how we describe it. Jesus comes in the flesh to die on our behalf for the sins and messes each of us cause. He doesn't come and go, I can't look at you. He comes in the midst of seeing that and says, I love you. In the darkest places that you and I feel most ashamed of and embarrassed about, the God of the universe says, I love you. I love you so much, I'm here. We spend our lives learning about that love and discovering it and increasingly understanding it. And then we simply wanna help others discover it. That's what radical love is. And growing together in Christ means we actually believe the Spirit can mature us in this thing. That's what we're called to be. 
By the way, that's a crown that will last. Unshakable, unchangeable. Come on, isn't that awesome? You guys need to tell your faces because it's more awesome than I'm looking at right now. I'm just kidding. You're all good. Paul continues, though, in this kind of what he's talking about. Listen, I'm not going to run like someone running aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body. I make it my slave. So after I preach to others, I can, will not be disqualified for the prize. Remember, he said there's a prize. Now, Paul uses two metaphors here. He started with running and he flipped to boxing. They both have the same story, though. With running, it's, oh, you could run and not know where you're going. You're just running, busy. Boxing aimlessly means I'm just throwing my fists in the air. I don't know where I'm hitting. And Paul's saying, no, 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 you've got to know where you're going and where we're headed. And this is what I want you to consider today as a challenge to move away from. Most of us, if I asked you how you're doing, would say, I am really busy. I have so much going on, which isn't that weird. We live in the most convenient time in history and the most place, the place with the most benefits and we're the most tired. Does that strike anybody as being odd? These young families will be told by told their kids at an early age, you better get them involved in this and this and this, and they better do it year-round and they better do it all the time or they will be left behind. And all of us spend our whole lives running this race for things we're not even sure what we're running for. And you know, having raised kids now and having friends that have raised kids now and watching another generation continue to raise them, I have yet to meet a parent that says, I am so glad we ran everywhere we ran. It's crazy the things people do. Hey, you know what? I work a lot of extra hours, and the reason I do it is so we can have a second home to go rest at when I'm not working a lot of extra hours. Okay, that's interesting. Oh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work a second job because if my kid doesn't get on this sport and doesn't do that, we're going to be in trouble. And much better that they're being in a sport playing a game than we actually are spending time together building a relationship. Are you getting the picture of what I'm saying? Like, I'm just worried about us. And make no mistake, as grandparents, we do the same thing. Well, I'm going to get to every activity that my kids and grandkids are doing, so now I'm going to be busy with their busyness. Let me follow that. And we spend our whole lives running and running. I was running. Like, I want Forrest Gump to stop. I said, and I just stopped. I said, I'm done. I'm tired. <laughs> Somebody's got to tell us we're tired. What would happen if you and I started running the actual race Jesus made us for? It's interesting to me, I, I've met this last month in particular, I've had an interesting kind of different sets I've met with. I've met with leaders of large business organizations who are exhausted, trying to keep moving up and to the right. And even if they move up and to the right, the next year they've got to move farther to the right and farther up. And they're just on a never-ending performance treadmill. I've met with young, young people that are getting ready to either go to college or career, and they're so stressed out that they haven't found the right vocation. They haven't found the best thing that will make their life the best it can be. I mean, they're just exhausted, and you want to tell them, just take a nap. I meet with people that think their jobs are unhappy, and they don't like what they do, and they're so preoccupied with thinking that will bring life to them that they feel failure and struggle every moment of every day. I literally had someone say to me, what is the purpose in our lives this week? And it's so fun to go, you know what? God made us to not just receive this new creation, but to bring it to other people. Wherever you go, that's what you're going to do to change the world. You're going to change the world with the people around you. You're going to change the world in the relationships you have. You're going to change the world as you are changed. That's what you'll bring. You will never change the world through another achievement, another event, another activity, another put in whatever you want. 
And if you're not too busy, by the way, you're probably filling your life with social media because when, God forbid we'd have time to ourselves, I better grab my phone because I don't know what to do if I'm not looking at something. True? I do it. I'm just telling you not to. I mean, it's sad what we're at. Paul's saying, man, I want us to get this. I do not want us to miss. God has so much more for us. In case you don't know with Paul's life, it's one of the things I love. This guy was raised in the Jewish culture. He's a Pharisee of Pharisees. It means he reached, there are seven levels of Phariseeism. He reached literally the top level. He's a, he's a Roman citizen and was trained in the, basically the rhetoric of Greek culture. He's kind of the best of both worlds. He's got this dual citizenship, Rome and Israel, and he excels in both. In other words, everything's going his way. And then he's out on this road to take out some of these early Christ followers, and Jesus literally mystically meets him on a, on a road and says, why are you doing this? And Paul's life changes. He gives up everything because he realizes the only purpose that will be meaningful is to be part of this recreation. What Jesus is doing to transform lives, I want that, and I'm gonna bring it everywhere I go. And by the way, the whole church explodes through Asia Minor because of this one dude. Come on. But all these other people believed it and started following and finding and reaching up to their places from it. Paul's saying there's a much better race than you've ever jumped for. I've got so much more for you is what he's saying, and I think what God says to us. In essence, the way we say it is this way, we have a race to run. Yeah, you, we want you to train in a different way this summer, to be in recreation in a new way. And I want you to understand it this way. We always compare the church to two ships. One is a cruise ship where we bring people in and they kind of get on whatever deck they want and they enjoy themselves. That's the way we tend to see church. The way church is meant to be is we're like an aircraft carrier that we bring each other in, we get refueled, and we're sent out. We are deployed on mission to live everywhere we go, bringing who Jesus is to the people around us. In essence, where you work, that's your purpose. Your neighborhood, that's your purpose. The places you go for activities, that's your purpose. The places you hang out like a coffee shop, that's your purpose. It just means you bring who Jesus is everywhere you go. And so we want to remind you of that today. This is the race we want you to run. And I'm going to give you a tool. It's a double-sided thing we're going to give. We've given it out multiple times. You'll get it on the way out. But there are two kind of skills to build, two ways to train in this. And so the first one is simply this. We call it an oikos. Everyone has an oikos. Oikos literally just means your household. But in the broader sense, in the ancient language, it, li it means your sphere of influence. The people around you that you are in connection with are your oikos. I know you think it's a Greek yogurt, but it's not. That's what you're all thinking, oh, I don't want any yogurt, whatever. It's much bigger than that. The way we describe it, and this is the card, we call it a frank list. We say that you and I in our oikos have friends, we have relatives, we have acquaintances, we have neighbors, we have colleagues. In other words, we have people that God puts around us that we encounter that we're just simply called to love and be in relationship with. We want you to write down who those people are. We want you to realize who are my actual friends that I know, people I'm getting to know, even outside of faith that I know. And I always say my acquaintances are just friends I haven't asked enough questions of yet. Because man, I get to know more, they become friends. I just can't help it. I love to get to know people better. We think you have all of these in your world around you. It was interesting to me, even this last weekend, uh, Jane and I were at some different places, a place that we socialize. Uh, Downtown, we were at a family gathering, uh, and then at a couple other places, and I just, it was reminded of how we have all these relationships, and how much when you're with people, you learn about them and what they need and how they're doing. 
You see, we have a mission to love people. I'm not saying we have a commission that we're going to convince them everything, but we're here to love them. In fact, we say it this way, that we love people through blessing them. The story of Abraham, which is the story of the beginning of God's people, God says, I'm going to make you a great nation and all nations will be blessed through you. And when Jesus comes, we're told, guess what? We're part of that. That our whole job is to receive something from God and then to bless others with it. It's not a transaction. We're not telling you you need to go and convince everyone. It's actually knowing the people around you and learning to love them in a way that blesses them. And so we give you five simple skills. We've done this. We talked through it last summer. I want to remind you of them, that we say you begin with prayer. Do you know no one that I, I have lots of friends that are not, I have friends that joke with me about not believing in God, but when I ask them if I can pray for them, no one has ever said to me, don't. I have one friend that always says, well, you can pray to the universe. I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do that. I'm going to pray to the God that I actually believe in. But, and we laugh about it. Uh, but I always find that they love when you pray for them. Nobody's ever said to me, I can't believe you're doing that. And then when I check in with them, they, they're just surprised I'm checking in. Because guess what? When I pray, guess what happens? I actually start to care. I care about the people around me. I have a robust list. It's not because I'm trying to win some award. It's because I love the people around me and I want to pray for them. What if you and I went into training to actually pray for people? What if we started learning things about the lives of the people around us and said, I'm committed to actually praying God moves in your life? One of the people I met, met into, they had had some concerns about their kids, and I ran into him this week, and he said, my kids are doing the best they've been doing, and I'm really enjoying this phase. And I thought, now I don't know that God made that happen, but I know I've been praying for it. I'm going to keep praying for it. I'm going to keep praying that God reveals himself to this man in that. Can you imagine if you and I actually went into training to pray for people? Do you know how many times a Christian says, I'll pray for you, and that's the end of it? We walk away. Something would happen if you and I actually pray. We, we really believe God moves. Did you, I should tell you that too. You do know that, right? We actually think God moves. We don't think it's a nice idea. God's some deist like we pray and he just sits back. No, he, he moves. What if we began with that? What if we learned to listen? To listen to actually understand and know people, not to listen so we can answer them, which we all do, don't we? Oh, I heard that story. It connects to this one. No, no. I want to listen to understand and know this person. I want to understand the struggles they have. The more you do that, the more they're going to want to talk to you, by the way. And the more you're going to be able to bless and love them. We say eat together just because I like to eat. That's not really why. We, we say it because actually it's a biblical foundation that when we eat together, we're in communion in a unique way. There's something about it that's profound, just having time with each other. And then we say serve. Both serve them and have them serve you. How can they help you along the way? I, I share this story with one of my neighbors that has to look at the back of my yard, which is horrible, and I, I'm asking him to help because I don't know what to do. I need his help. I just need him. What if we ask for help as well as offer to help others? And then finally, you will share your story as you relate and love people, meaning you're not going to just share your big story, but you will have points of connection that God has met you in, that that's part of how you bless. You know what? I, I, I've sat with, with men who talk about struggles in their marriage, and it'll remind me, man, the only way I love my wife well is asking God to help because I am a really selfish dude in my own way. I can't help but share with them how I beg God to help me and how I ask for help. I don't think I'm a very accomplished person, but I am really good at saying, God, I need you. And I'm amazed at how he moves when I do that. And there's things to share from your own journey that will be meaningful for people. What if you and I went into training for this? What if you and I said the people around me are the are the crown God's given me. I'm just gonna love them. Whether they respond or not, I'm gonna bless and love them. I'm gonna look at who they are and become connected to them. 
We, we want to see that change. We want you to be deployed as people who bless others. And we say it very simply this way, through blessed practices, we love those in our oikos, our frank list. In other words, these are things we're training into. They're not transactions. They're not people we're trying to convince. They're people we're trying to love that God's put around us. What if the biggest transformation in your life won't be something you accomplish, but people you invest in? What do you think that'd be like? It's funny, one, one side note, we, we shared a video of the Leadership Summit, which is a leadership conference that we're hosting by satellite uh, in August. The reason we do that is very simply this. We believe every, every kind of facet of work life and community grows when leaders get better at what they do. And all we're doing is investing in our community, going, how can we help you to get better as leaders? We want to bless you. That's the reason we host. Whether they ever respond in any other way, we're going to try to help them be better at who they are and what they do. What if you and I carried that in every conversation and interaction to live differently? You'll get one of those on the way out. If you don't have it, you can also look on our website for more. But I want to encourage you to not just settle for recreation, but recreation this summer. God is inviting you to a journey in a race that maybe you've been aimlessly wandering around towards. He's going, no, no, go into training on this. Become people that actually look at your relationships around you and begin to bless them through your love. Let's pray together. Lord, I ask that you would meet each one today. And as I did at the beginning, that anything you want to say to them, Lord, that you'd make known and real. Bless and move and call us to you and reveal your love for us. I pray this in your name. Amen.